All right, what an exciting day at Hope with a uh, grand reopening of our children's ministry and uh, our annual meeting. It's, it's just a fun day so far. Uh, I would just want to welcome you. We're in the third week of a study on the book of Hebrews. So if you have your Bible, you might want to open it up and, and head over to Hebrews chapter 3. The big theme of Hebrews is Jesus is better. That's right. That's right. Jesus is better. That's the big theme of Hebrews. And if you're just joining us, uh, we don't exactly know who the author of Hebrews is. It could be Paul, could be Barnabas, could be Apollos. We really don't know. But what we do know is we know uh, to whom this letter was written. It was written to the Hebrews. It's the book to the Hebrews. So that's who our audience is. It's written to some Jewish Christians. And as you may remember from some of the past weeks, these these believers are in danger of walking away from Christ. They're in danger of abandoning their faith. They're thinking, you know what, maybe Jesus isn't better. Maybe my life before Jesus was actually better than it is now with Jesus. And they're thinking about going back to that old way of Judaism. And so the book of Hebrews is actually full of warnings. It's full of warnings to not give up, to not give in, to not walk away from the faith. Keep going. Keep persevering. And so we're going to see a bunch of warnings in the book of Hebrews. In fact, there are five warning passages within the book of Hebrews. We've already seen one of those. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, where the author warns us, how will we escape if we ignore so great a salvation. That's a pretty powerful warning, isn't it? How will we escape if we ignore so great a salvation we have in Jesus? And of course, Hebrews is famous for these warning passages. And uh, I don't know, have you, ever, have you ever been warned before? You know, you know the feeling of being warned. Uh, years ago, Angie and I had an opportunity to uh, hop in one of those two-person uh, catamaran sailboats. They're these little sailboats and you can go out on the ocean. And uh, me being a Colorado boy, I'm not, I don't sail. You know, I didn't, I grew up in Colorado. We don't really have oceans in Colorado. So uh, never really sailed, but I see these little catamarans. I have an opportunity to, for us as a couple to go out and just have a nice sail on the ocean. And fortunately, there's a, there's a guy who can kind of instruct me and teach me how to how to catch the wind, how to sail, how to go in the right direction. And we get on the sailboat, the instructor gets us all the way out to the ocean. And he's starting to teach me about how to use the ropes, how to switch the sail so I can steer. And he begins to teach about the importance of making sure that, um, that the weight is properly distributed. So sometimes you have to hop from one side to another. He teaches me all of this and then he hands me the proverbial st steering wheel. And it's not going well. And he's starting to realize just how bad of a sailor I am. And so his whole conversation changes and to, well, if you happen to capsize while you're out there on the water, this is why you can just be sure to get close to the boat and, you know, somebody will probably come over and help you. Or he says, like, make sure you stay in sort of this direction because if, if your boat starts going this direction, well, it's just going to take you right out to the ocean. So, so just be careful of that. You may never come back. And I realize he's starting to warn me. And he, I'm realizing he doesn't think we're going to make it. And so I, I'm looking at my wife and she's like, 
she's like, you're, you're not going to be able to do this. So, so we just enjoyed the nice boat ride and then had the instructor bring us back to the beach. That, that, was, all, that was all we could handle. You know, sometimes we think certain things are going to be a walk in the park, and it's not always a walk in the park. And when it comes to our Christian faith and our Christian life, we need to understand that being a Christian is not a walk in the park. Being a Christian is a walk of faith. And sometimes the people that start the journey don't always make it to the end of the journey. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes temptations come. And we've seen this, right? Somebody has a secret sin. They have a secret addiction. It so grips their heart, they end up walking away from their family. They end up walking away from their faith. We see tragedy strike. And, uh, and, and I've just watched as a pastor people experiencing emotional pain to the point where they begin to believe the lie, you know, maybe God doesn't love me if he would let me go through this. I don't know if I can believe in a loving God anymore. Before I was a pastor here, I did youth ministry for many years. We saw children grow up in the church who would drift away from the faith. And the sad reality is, statistically, about 50% of children who grow up in the church will walk away from the faith by the time they're a young adult. How do we as adults who care about the next generation come together to produce a lifetime faith in the hearts of our children? Kind of see it with COVID-19. About a year ago, churches shut down all over the United States. Slowly, churches have been reopening. Slowly, people have been coming back to church. There's a question I hear being asked. Among believers, there's a question I hear being asked among pastors, and that is, what if some people never come back? Guys, what we're talking about today is real. This is not a walk in the park journey. This is a walk of faith. Not everyone who starts the journey ends the journey. And so Hebrews is warning us today to pay attention to our heart and to keep our ears sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We live in a culture today where faith is countercultural. And it is very easy for us to slip back into the cultural default of unbelief. How do we sustain our faith in a culture where faith in God is countercultural? How do we not slip back to the default of unbelief? That's what I want to talk to you about today. We're going to look at some of these warnings from the book of Hebrews. Kind of a serious topic. If you have your Bible, um, we're in Hebrews 3, and we're going to be walking through the passage today. So I encourage you, just keep it open. Walk through this passage with me. This is the second warning from the book of Hebrews. The first warning was in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This is the second warning in the book of Hebrews. There's going to be three more ahead. So warnings ahead. Hebrews 3, 1. Let's read it together. This is what it says. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus 
whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. Remember, they're thinking about going back to the old ways of Judaism. And so part of Hebrews is showing that Jesus is better. He's better than the prophets. He's better than Moses. We're going to see he's better than Joshua. Jesus is better. That's the theme. So now Moses is kind of the one we're looking at today. Jesus is of superior glory than Moses. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was, was faithful as a servant in all God's house. That's a quote from Numbers, actually. Bearing witness to what God would be, uh, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future, but Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house. And we are His house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for forty years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Quoting from Psalm 95. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ if, indeed, we hold to our original conviction firmly to the end. As it has just been said, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the, the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? With whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. So the question is, how do we not fall short of the promises that God has given us? And so today I want to give you some strategies, some daily strategies from this passage for sustaining faith. These are strategies for us to persevere in our walk with Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to work, look at today. Couldn't be more excited. Jump in. So let's pray. We'll dive in. Uh, Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the strong challenges from your word. And I pray today that as we study, God, I ask that our eyes would be open to Jesus. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be speaking to our hearts today and that our hearts would not resist, but that we would trust Jesus Christ even more because of his faithful love for us. So help us, God, during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Okay, so uh, we got three strategies today for sustaining a lifetime faith. How do we not fall short? How do we not drift away? How do we not allow a sinful, unbelieving heart to turn us away from the living God? Three, three strategies here. Number one, I would say, is think Jesus. Think Jesus. Fix your thoughts on Jesus as a daily strategy, as a daily habit. Fill your mind with the glorious and wonderful thoughts of Jesus Christ. Or as it says in Hebrews 3.1, right here, this is the big idea, Hebrews 3.1, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Think Jesus. So why do we want to give Jesus priority in our thoughts? Well, what does Hebrews say? Hebrews 3.1. Why do we give Jesus priority in our thoughts? Number one, because of what we have learned about Jesus and all that he's done. And this takes us back to some of the previous things we've learned. Hebrews 3.1 says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Notice the first word. Therefore. My old pastor used to say, what's the therefore, therefore? You ever heard that one? What's the therefore, therefore? It's actually taking us back to all we've learned about Jesus in chapter 1 and chapter 2. So he says, holy brothers and sisters. That takes us back to chapter 2. Jesus, in chapter 2, he's taken on our humanity. Jesus becomes fully human. He shares in our flesh and blood. And Hebrews 2 says, the one who makes people holy, Jesus. The ones who are made holy, that's us. We belong to the same family because we all share in that flesh and blood. We're brothers and sisters together in Christ. Think Jesus. He says we share in a heavenly calling. It's also chapter 2, right? He's bringing in everything from chapter 2. Holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling. What's our heavenly calling? Chapter 2 says Jesus is bringing many sons and daughters to glory. He's bringing us to glory. He dies on a cross for our sins. He frees us from the fear of death. You have a heavenly calling. He's leading us heavenward. He's bringing us into glory. That's an awesome thought. So we set our, we set our minds on things in heaven, not on things on earth. Fix our thoughts on Jesus. Think Jesus. Not just because of who Jesus is, what went before, but because of our confession of him. Hebrews goes on. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. The next, the next line. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Why? Whom we acknowledge, and the translation there is literally confess. You may have that in your translation. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. The line there is, is literally, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Those are two powerful titles of Jesus. He's not just like, it's not just title roulette. It's not just, let's pick a couple of, you know, labels for Jesus. These are, this is actually really powerful when you think about it. Jesus is our, the apostle of our confession. What's an apostle? An apostle is somebody who's sent, sent from God. So, so an apostle is somebody who's, who represents God to us. What's the priest? A, a priest, the high priest, that's the person who represents humanity to God. Do you see how it kind of goes both directions there? That's what he's getting at. 
Jesus is the one who connects humanity with the living God. And he does it perfectly because he is fully God and fully human. So because of Jesus, think about this. Because we have an apostle and high priest of our confession, we have access to the living God. Fix your thought on that. That'll change your life. Fix your thought on Jesus. Fill your thoughts with thoughts of Jesus. It gets even better. Verse 2. Remember now, these are Hebrew Christians. They're thinking about abandoning their faith in Christ and going back to the Old Testament, the old ways of Judaism. And so the author picks out one of their heroes, Moses. And the author says, okay, hold on. Before we all go back to Moses, let's think about that. Let's, let's compare Jesus and Moses for a second. Let's see who's better. And this is what he's, he writes, picking it up in verse 2. Jesus was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in God's house. <laughs> like, we like Moses. He was faithful as a servant. Bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house. The house God is building, that's us. We are his house if, indeed, we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So let's compare Moses and Jesus. He says Moses was faithful. Right? That's a big affirmation of Moses. Right? Moses did awesome things for God. He was one of our heroes. But don't think for a second that Moses is greater than Jesus. He uses the illustration of a house. Imagine this. Tomorrow morning, get a knock on the door. Who's that? Oh, it's, uh, it's Drew and Jonathan Scott, the property brothers. They're at your house. They're going to do a complete reno of your house. Pete, you don't have to do that work anymore. They're here. Right? You're pumped. You're finally going to get the house of your dreams, you know, open concept, all that they do, the chef's kitchen, master bedroom with the beautiful ensuite bathroom and the walk-in closet. Like, it's all happening. And when it's done and you have the house of your dreams, you know what? Even then, they're not going to change the name of the show to your address. It's still going to be the Property Brothers because the builder of the house has more glory and honor than the house itself. It's kind of the illustration there. So who is Moses in the house? Right? God's building a house. We are his house. The house that's being built here is not Moses' house. It's God's house. It's Jesus' house. You notice a couple of prepositions here. Moses is in the house. Jesus is the son over the house. It's Jesus' house. Who's Moses in the house? He's a servant. You guys remember uh, Downton Abbey? You remember Carson? Carson in Downton Abbey? Who's Carson? The butler, right? 
When people come, they visit Downton Abbey, who opens the door? Carson. Carson gets the door. That's who Moses is. Moses is the servant that opens the door so that we can see the sun. Verse 5. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house. What does it say? Bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. Who's he talking about there? He's talking about Jesus. This is how the author of Hebrews reads the Old Testament, reads the Hebrew Scriptures. It's all pointing to Jesus. Moses, he was just bearing witness to the coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus says that much in John 5, 46. He says, if you believed Moses, you'd believe me because he wrote about me. Moses wasn't thinking Moses. Who was Moses thinking about? Moses was thinking about Jesus. He didn't know all the details yet, but his thoughts, you better believe, were fixed on Jesus. The glory of the Son who was to come. How about you? Where where are your thoughts today? Are your thoughts fixed on Christ? Are you filling your mind with thoughts of the glory and wonder of Jesus? How do we do that? We open up the Bible, right? Scripture? Because this book points us to Jesus. This book fills our heart with the glory and wonder of Jesus. And I know life is hard. I know things get busy. I know our thoughts get consumed with so many things. Your thought can be consumed with your situation or it can be consumed with thoughts of Jesus. Do you have some thoughts today that need to be replaced with some thoughts about Jesus, with some truths about Jesus? I do. Maybe just guilt of not being enough or whatever that is. See, when the glory of of Jesus fills our minds, the peace of Christ can fill our hearts. And that's what's on the table for you every single day. If you'll fix your thoughts on Jesus. That's a strategy for persevering in our faith day in and day out. I want to start my day with a strategy of coming to God's word and fixing my thoughts on Jesus. Are you doing that? Or are you just kind of drifting in your faith? Strategy number two. Calling the daily heart check. The daily heart check. It's a great strategy. We've now come really to the big warning in the book of Hebrews. uh, The second warning in the book of Hebrews. And it's like uh, the warning light on your car. And it's flashing. And it's it's flashing with, with two letters. So there's two letters. If. 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 You've already been hearing it. Um, I want to put a couple of scriptures here up. Uh, Take a look at verse 6, and then I want to show you how it's repeated again a second time in verse 14. So, So look at this. It says, we are God's house. And then there's a condition here. If. We are God's house. If indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Interesting. And then he repeats it a few verses later. We have come to share in Christ. How do I know if I've shared in Christ? We've come to share in Christ if 
There's a condition. If indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. What does that mean? What if, what if we don't hold our conviction firmly to the end? What, if, what about doubts? What about falling away? Can a Christian lose their salvation? Is that what that's saying? What does this mean? To provide some explanation, the author quotes Psalm 95, 7 through 11. And you can jump in at verse 7 in Hebrews 3. It says, So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the, the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me uh, through 40 years, or yeah, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That's crazy. 40 years they saw miracle after miracle, right? And they still tested and doubted God. That's why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they've not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. What's the story of Psalm 95? God is leading his people out of Egypt. God saved his people from Pharaoh, from Egypt. He's leading them out of Egypt and he's taking them to the promised land. And on the way there, they see miracle after miracle after miracle. And what do they do? They harden their heart. They test God. They try God. They rebel. And what the scripture tells us is that there's an entire generation that dies in the wilderness. They never make it to the promised land because of doubt, unbelief, disobedience, and rebellion. So then the, the author applies that warning to us in verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters. I were brother, right? This is a, he's believing the best about us here. See to it, brothers and sisters. This is a warning to encourage us in our faith that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our conviction firmly to the end. So now we're back at that warning. And you can kind of see the situation that the author's setting up. Our salvation is in the past. Jesus died for us for our sins in the past. Heaven, right, our rest, our heavenly rest, that's the future. Where are we right now? We're in the wilderness. And guys, the wilderness is all about perseverance. The wilderness is a journey of trusting Jesus so that he can lead us to our heavenly rest. And we see this warning. We see that it's all about perseverance. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. We, we share in Christ if we persevere to the very end. In other words, the evidence of what God has done in your life is how you are persevering in your faith, not only in the past, not only today, but well into the future. God has done a work in your life, and it's creating perseverance in your heart. You're trusting in Jesus. So what if somebody doesn't hold 
their original conviction firmly to the end. What does Hebrews say? Look at verse 14. I want, look closely with me at verse 14. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. What if you don't hold your conviction to the end? What does Hebrews say? You never shared in Christ. See, the author of Hebrews doesn't think you can lose your salvation. It's saying you never had it. You prayed a prayer. You had a prayer you prayed. You had a church you attended, but you never had Jesus in your heart. You never shared in Christ. Jesus says, I never knew you. That's the warning here. I like how R.C. Sproul says it. He says, salvation, if you have it, you never lose it. But if you lost it, you never had it. And I think that's what we're seeing here in our passage today. So what does this mean for us? As the author says, just as it's been said, if you hear his voice today, don't harden your heart. Open your heart to Christ. It's a heart check. Heart check. If you hear his voice, are you hearing his voice today? And don't harden your heart. Keep trusting in him. Keep believing in him. Keep following him to the very end. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let's be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short. And Just saying, church family, let's be careful that we don't fall short of the amazing promises that God has for us. And so what that means for us, just as a simple strategy, is a little heart check. A little heart check, maybe a daily heart check. How's my heart? Am I trusting in Jesus today? Or am I allowing some sin or some unbelief in my heart to draw me away from the living God? Am I being captured? Is my heart being captured by a worldly philosophy? Am I being attracted to some sinful sources of entertainment that are really pulling me away from Jesus Christ? Have I allowed the pleasure of money or success to replace my love for Jesus Christ. I need a heart check. I need a daily heart check. And how do we see to it? It says, see to it, brothers and sisters. None of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. How do we see to it? It's just that daily heart check. I check my heart. Is my heart, where's my heart at today? And, and I just want to encourage you, if you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, he's going to show you some areas of sin and unbelief, just like he does for me. It's not like heart check. Oh yeah, everything's perfect. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about heart check. I want to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but when I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, he brings some conviction to my heart. He shows me some area of sin and unbelief. And this is an opportunity for me to repent and to believe the gospel. It's an opportunity for me to repent and to trust Jesus Christ and continue to persevere and to follow him because he is my hope and he is my salvation. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about a daily heart check. I want to, when, when I hear God's voice through the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to harden my heart. 
I'm going to soften it. I'm going to repent, and I'm going to trust Jesus with my life. That's the kind of heart that makes it to the end. And maybe you're here today, and, you know, heart check for you. You're like, you know what? I've never surrendered my heart to Jesus Christ. Yeah, maybe I prayed, prayed a prayer. Maybe I've attended a church. But honestly, when I look in my heart, I haven't surrendered to Christ. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Listen, this is not about you being perfect. This is about trusting a perfect Savior. This is not about you being faithful. This is about the faithful one who went all the way to the cross because he loved you and he gave his life for you. And you can trust in him today. And he is going to hold you. He is going to keep you all the way to the very end. Because that's kind of the powerful work that God does in our hearts when we share in Christ. So that's the heart check. It's one of the strategies for sustaining our faith. Last one. Think Jesus, daily heart check, and then I would just encourage all of us as a strategy for sustaining our faith to lean into community. Lean into your community of faith. We get a lot of encouragement by being a part of the family of God and being a part of the body of Christ. And, and I just kind of want to get into this this way. Um, like I said, before I was a pastor here, uh, spent many years in youth ministry, and uh, Angie and I, we, we were both youth leaders, and we had a student that was really struggling in our youth ministry. And it was, it was very, you know, on the outside, it was very clear to our youth leaders that this young girl needed help. But it turned out it was not at all clear to her parents. And that created a really challenging situation. And so we sat down with the parents, and we just said, hey, look, like, this is what we're seeing, we're concerned, and uh, we really want to help you so that this, so that your daughter can get the help that she needs. Um, and I was a little bit shocked when, when her parents didn't believe us. And it was interesting because the parents started justifying and giving a lot of reasons why everything is okay, which I would never understand because I don't do that. I'm just kidding. I do that all the time, right? We all do that. We all have things that are wrong in our life, and we can come up with all the reasons why it's okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? So this is not unusual. I do this all the time. We do this all the time. And it took some conversations, and it took some, some speaking the truth in love to begin to help these, these parents really see what was going on in their daughter's life. And she was able to get the help that she needed. And that turned out to be a very great story. But what I want to encourage all of us with today is that, you know, the problem with sin, the Bible says, is that, that because of sin, we actually tell lies to ourselves. Did you know that? That our hearts can begin to deceive us, maybe sometimes because the truth is too hard to hear. In fact, Jeremiah in 79 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. And so what this means for us today is that we just need some other Christian friends in our life who are going to be able to help us to see some things that we can't see in ourselves. And by the way, I need that too, right? I, I, I've got a great group of elders that helps me see some things in myself that I don't always see in myself. And we need that. We need community. And what, what Hebrews is encouraging us to do today is to lean into our Christian community. It says, See to it, brothers and sisters, 
that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. What does it say? Encourage one another daily. I love it. It's a daily strategy. Encourage one another daily, Hope Community Church, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It's just a simple strategy. It's just saying, you know what, we can't do this on our own. We need other people to speak truth into our lives so that we can grow in our faith. And I would just say here at Hope, the best place that we do this is in our small groups. Small groups is where we live out the banners. It's where we live in community. And this is just why we want everyone who calls Hope home to be in a small group by the end of this year. We really believe that in order for you and me to grow spiritually, we've got to be connected relationally. That's what this passage is saying. You want to grow spiritually, get connected relationally. Have people in your life who are going to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Lean into community. There's a great story, and I kind of want to just tie it together with this. You guys know D.L. Moody? Love this story, famous story. He's visiting someone from his church. He's at their house. And uh, this man in his church, he's like, I don't need community. I don't need other Christians in my life. I can be just as good a Christian all by myself as I can going to church. I don't need any of that. And I love Moody because his only response here is just, he goes to the fireplace. You guys heard this story? And he, he pulls out one burning ember from the fireplace. And together they sit and they watch the ember flicker out and die. It speaks for itself. The embers need the fire. Where do, where does, where do the fires of faith flicker out and die? In isolation. Where do we believe the lies of the enemy? In isolation. The flame of faith is sustained by community. We need one another. We're stronger together. The fire of faith burns white hot together in community when we're in each other's lives. So I just want to challenge you today. Are you leaning into community? We've got an awesome community here at Hope. People love you. They serve you. You get into the mess. I need people in my mess, honestly. We're stronger together. We burn brighter together. So let's encourage one another daily. You got some Christian friends? Lean into those Christian friends. Lean into godly mentors. Lean into the community of faith. These are just three strategies for sustaining our passion in Christ. Let's put them up. Think Jesus. Daily, I want to fill my mind with thoughts of Jesus. Number two, daily heart check. How's your heart today? Are you hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit? Number three, lean into community. Have some brothers and sisters in Christ who can encourage you in your walk with faith. Simple strategies for sustaining our faith. So let's stand Will you stand with me? I want to pray for you, and then we'll close in worship. God, thanks for who you are. You're an awesome God. And we don't want to miss what you're doing in our life. 
We don't want to miss the voice of the Holy Spirit who's speaking to us even now. Come and touch our hearts with your presence, God. Thank you for Jesus who's worthy of all the glory and honor. Thank you that we share in a heavenly calling. Thank you that we are not of this world even as Jesus was not of, the, of this world. We have a future. We have a destiny. Do not let isolation or lies steal the great purpose that God has for your life. And so today we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. Come and have your way in us. You are worthy of all the glory and honor. As we sing these songs, fill our minds with thoughts of Jesus, thoughts of salvation. Sustain us with your power to the very end. And could we strengthen and encourage one another as a community of faith. We ask that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name today. And everybody said, Amen.